The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Are you glad you came to church today? I hope so. Listen, there's a lot of people that decided that for Labor Day weekend they should not go to church. They made a bad decision. You made a great decision. I'm so proud of you uh, for being here today. Help me out. There's some people that are guests today, both here in person and online. Would you help me welcome everyone who's visiting with us today? Big old hand clap for them. If you're visiting in person today, uh, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better, and we have a gift for you, and the way that works is as soon as service ends, we have a team that'll be uh, at the desk right outside the center doors. You can stop by there, and uh, we'll give you a gift, and uh, you put your email there, and then we spam you for the rest of your life. Uh, I'm totally kidding. That's not how that works, but we would love to get to know you, and we really do love when guests come to Harvest, and so thank you uh, for being here. Uh, I have quite a few announcements because... There's a lot going on at Harvest, and I want to start with what's happening in our Harvest youth right now. Uh, they are this week in week two of a, ser- of a series called Squad. Uh, it's a ton of fun. They start early. They play a bunch of games. There's all kinds of things going on. Lisa and I got to be there last Sunday night. I got to, to speak at uh, their opening session, and uh, it was so much fun. And I do need to give a shout out to our squad leaders. So they, they split the whole group into four, uh, four squads, and every squad has a leader. And I'm telling you, the leaders this year are just epic. They are all in. They're having so much fun. And so I want to show you uh, what squad is all about. So we have a little recap video so that you can see what's going on. And if you have a teenager, you definitely need to get them to squad uh, starting tonight. So check this out. Awesome. All right, for the youth that are in the room, I'm just curious which squad you think is going to win. I heard purple, blue, black, and green, and you're all right because you're all winners in my eyes. All right. Uh, parents, did, did any of y'all see your students in the, in the video? Isn't that fun? I love, I'm just telling you, uh, I stood at the back of the room. Uh, worship was going on. The kids all just went to the altar. They're worshiping. And every time that happens, I, my heart is just filled uh, with hope for the future because uh, these, these students are our future, and I'm just excited about what God's doing. So wanted you to know about squad. Now, next announcement, I'm going to the other end of the age spectrum to tell you about the senior adult lunch that is going on uh, Sunday, September 17th. Uh, that'll be in the youth room right after service. Uh, Pastor Jerry's got a sign up out in the lobby. Uh, I, lo- I peeked at it this morning and Pastor Jerry had signed up for Beef Surprise. I don't know what that is. So I asked him what it is, and he said, it's a surprise, which makes sense. And so uh, senior adults, uh, one of Lisa and I's favorite uh, things at Harvest is our senior adult ministry led by Jerry and Linda. They're incredible. You're incredible. You guys have so much fun, and you're not going to want to miss that lunch that's coming up. Also, uh, I want to tell you of water baptisms coming up in just a few weeks on Sunday, uh, the 27th. If you've never been at Harvest on a 
baptism Sunday. It's such a great Sunday. We literally set the water uh, tank out here on the stage, and we baptize people in the middle of worship, and it's just exciting. And so if you've made a decision to follow Christ, baptism in water is one of the commands to go public with that decision, and we'd love to help you with that. You can sign up on our website uh, and be a part of that. And then I have, I have such an exciting announcement, uh, especially this is for parents uh, of elementary and, and, and younger kids. Uh, we are going to do something coming up called a Parents' Night Out. That's on Friday, September 22nd. I thought... I thought that might get a cheer, all right? I thought that might get a cheer. Uh, and so here's how it's going to work, all right? You can sign up. It's, it's live right now. You can sign up uh, on our website for Parents' Night Out. And uh, here, here's the deal. We do want to give you a night out. We'd love for you to have a date night, okay? But we'd also love for you to meet some other Harvest parents. And so you'll see when you're signing up for it, um, you'll kind of walk through the registration. And uh, there, there's a question there uh, that if, if you want to... Uh, if you know people that you want to go ahead and group up with, you can just put their names in there. But also, if you're like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to like, be a little exciting and just meet some families that maybe I don't know, then Pastor Madison will actually pair you with some other families. So we're encouraging you to go out. There's a three-hour window. Go out with like maybe six of you, like three couples. Get to know some friends. Um, uh, Lisa and I are trying to sign up to be like a date tour guide because we thought that would be fun, but Madison hasn't approved that yet. She says our kids are too old. We can't. But uh, here's the deal. We, I hope you'll do, you'll take a part of this, uh, parents, and uh, meet some, get a date night, meet some other Harvest uh, families. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun. Also, while your kids are here during that, they are having a pajama and pizza party. Uh, it's $5 when you sign up, $5 per kid. They're, they're getting dinner. Uh, we got a great team that'll be here taking care uh, of all of your kids, and it's just going to be really amazing. And then I want to tell you, ladies, a women's encounter is right around the corner. Uh, I just checked right before I came up. We have 43 ladies that are already register, registered for this. Uh, it's going to be an incredible um, weekend. It's at Glorietta Campground, so it's a little getaway. It's going to, you're going to get really intentional about spending time with Jesus and allowing him to work in your heart. The team uh, has been working extra hard to get ready for this. And I, I wanted you to know about it because the deadline, the last day to register, is next Sunday. So you have one week. So if you've been on the fence and you're not sure, you should just make up your mind uh, and make that happen and go every single time. Men's encounter, women's encounter, that everyone comes home just like, oh my goodness, where has this been my whole life? It's incredible. And so I hope that you will take a part of that. And then I have one final announcement. It's a week away. Uh, a week away is Run for the Light. And uh, we have 18 that have signed up uh, for Run for the Light. If you don't know what Run for the light is. We have a, a one mile, uh, we call it a fun run. Uh, you know, if, if you're Lisa, if you're, if you're like her, uh, there's no such thing as a fun run, okay? But we make this one fun. We're, it's a color run. Uh, it's really, we're encouraging you to get out there with your kids and, and strollers and bicycles and scooters and whatever you want. Get out there and do the one mile. And then we have a 5K. Um, and just so you know, none of this is competitive, all right? We're just getting out there. We're having fun. And really, the point of it is to raise money for missions. And so we have a really ambitious goal. Uh, we have $125,000 in matching sponsorship. That means if we raise $125,000, then someone's matching that. It becomes $250,000. And that's a really big goal. And we knew it's a really big goal. But at Harvest, we go big or we go home. And so we're going big. And I'm excited because as of this morning, we're like $200 shy of $15,000 that's already been raised. That's pretty epic. Am I right? And we haven't even ran yet, okay? And so here's how it works. You can sign up. It's free to sign up. You go to runforthelight.com. You can sign up there. And then it gives you a little fundraising link. And you text that out or email it out. You send it out to your friends and say, hey, we're raising money to feed kids and to drill water wells. We're, 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 you know, will you help us? People are, I've been watching all week. People are sponsoring for $10, for $20, for $100, for $500. And, and it's just adding up. Everyone does their part. And what is exciting to me about this is if you spend any time at all 
around Harvest, we, we have this phrase, that we talk about generosity like this. We say, we live with open hands. We have a bunch of different mechanisms to, to start training our kids about that, like you just saw with Dash for Cash. That's one of the ways we start teaching our kids really young, that, hey, this world's not just about grabbing as much as you can and holding on to it for yourself. It's about living with open hands. And for our teenagers, Run for the Light is one of these mechanisms. So we're really encouraging uh, our youth to be a part of this because I, I just think, we think at Harvest, this is the best way to live is with open hands. And I want to tell you two stories that just really encouraged me uh, this week. And neither of these people know that I'm going to call them out but because I, if I told them, they'd probably tell me that I couldn't. But they're just, they're just living out this, uh, this idea of we live with open hands. So the very first week that I announced uh, Run for the Light, quite frankly, I did a terrible job of announcing it. I was just so excited and I missed all the details because I was just excited and just bubbling. And as soon as church ended, Rich came and he's sitting right back here. If you don't know who Rich is, he's in the American flag. Um, he, he looks patriotic today. Rich came up and he said, Pastor, I'm in. I'm signing up today for Run for the Light. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. We high-fived. And if you don't know Rich, he's a retired firefighter. So he says, I'm going to up the ante. I'm doing the 5K in full firefighter gear. And I'm like, wow, okay. So Rich set up his, he signed up that Sunday and I hadn't even made it to lunch after church and people were already starting to sponsor him. All right. And so it, I wish I, I had time to read through our text messages over the last two weeks because he set a fundraising goal of like a thousand dollars. And within the first week he had already topped that. And I'm like, Hey bro, you need to raise your fundraising goal. And he went to 1500 and then he topped that. I'm like, Hey dude, raise your fundraising goal. And he went to 2000 and, and I think he's raised his goal like five times. Times now, and so now he's sitting at 3,500 is his new goal, and he's sitting. At, I think he's raised like 3,100 or something. All right, pretty stink. And I just, I just love it. I just love what happens when a guy or a girl gets excited about. Hey, maybe I could go do something that would bring some tra- change to the world, and that's what Rich is doing. And I just, I love it. And I knew if I asked him, he'd tell me I couldn't tell you all that. So now I'll just ask him for forgiveness, forgiveness later. All right. Now, I got to tell you about another story. This just happened this week. So we have a three-year-old named Claire. Uh, I don't think she signed up. I think her parents signed her up, quite frankly. Um, But you never know. And, And we have a picture of Claire. All right, this is Claire. Last year, this is last, she was, so she was two, I think, right, at Run for the Light last year. Look how happy she is. She just ran a 5K. She's so happy. I don't, I don't know how far she ran. So check out, so check out, this is mom's post uh, to help Claire with Run for the Light. I just got to read it to you. It says, meet the incredible three-year-old dynamo, Claire. She's on a mission to make a big impact through Run for the Light. Claire's tiny feet may not run miles yet, but her huge heart is racing to help bring clean water to those in need. Let's join hands with this pint-sized hero as she raises funds to dig water wells in third world countries. Every donation counts and brings us one step closer to changing lives. But that's not all. Claire has a heartwarming surprise for you. For every donation, she's crafting handmade thank you gifts to show her gratitude. Imagine receiving a token of appreciation from this young champion. A testament to the power of compassion and unity. Join Claire's journey today. Let's turn her small steps into a giant leap for humanity. Tap the link to donate and make a lasting difference. Let's spread the word and support Claire's mission. Hashtag run for the light. Hashtag small steps. Big impact. Hashtag Claire the champion. All right, listen to me. Hey, Richard and Kayla are sitting over here. Let me just, let me walk over here and just tell you, way to go, mom and dad. You are raising a world changer, okay? And I'm serious about it. This is where it starts, okay? We challenge our kids. We challenge our teenagers. Ava and Eden are both signed up for Run for the Light. We start young, and they start believing at three years old that God has a plan for them and that God can use them in big ways. And I'm so excited. Like At the end of the day, whatever we raise is whatever we raise. And it'll get doubled, and we'll send it off. We'll feed kids. We'll dig water wells. But what I'm more excited about is the lifetime ahead of girls like Claire, that for the rest 
rest of her life, she's going to know that God has marked her and has a plan for her. And I, I was just telling this story just, just last week. I was telling a story about how as a teenager, I went to a Speed the Light rally and I made a $100 pledge. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I got some odd jobs and I figured it out and I got some money together and I met my pledge. And as a teenager, that was a really big deal. But what's more important is that as a teenager, I decided then to live like this, to live with open hands. And now we've lived that way. I got married and Lisa was living that way. We decided we're going to live that way. Now we're training our kids to live that way. And I'm just, it's the best way to live. So run for the light is a week away. Okay. You have a couple of options. You can sign up to run. You don't have to run. You can walk, you can crawl, you can, you can roll, you can do whatever you want. You can also sign up to serve. So there's a new link on our website where you can sign up and just say, hey, I'll be there. So we have water stations. We have a couple places where we need people that hold signs so that the 5K doesn't turn into a 10K, all right? So they go the right direction. We have a little station where we're going to like cut the apples, or not apples, oranges and bananas and, and, and have a little snacks. And so you could sign up and just come and serve and be a part of it. And then here's the other thing. You can go on runforthelight.com. You can find Claire's post. You can find any guy's post, Martha's post. You can find Rich's post and you can sponsor them right there and jump on board and encourage them. And I'm just, I'm excited because I really think this week is going to be a really big week on the fundraising side. We're going we're gonna to really push it this week on our social media and get people excited. I don't know how much we're going to raise, but I'm excited about it. Can you tell I'm excited? Are you excited? All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to take any more time to talk about generosity, but there's a bunch of ways to give. We, we do this every week. A whole bunch of you give online. If you need to, you can give on the way out. There's little boxes. You can drop it in. There's a lot of ways to give, but I want to encourage you this week. It's the best way to live, is to live with open hands, live a, live a generous life. So let me pray for you, and while we do it, let's pray for our efforts for Run for the Light. All right? Are you with me? All right, let's pray. Jesus I so am so thankful to be a part of a church that has decided to, to live with open hands, to live generously in every part of our lives. I'm excited for families like, uh, like, Kayla, uh, like Kayla and Richard and Claire and, and, and Rich and so many others who have just decided this is the way for us to live. Lord, I pray that every family that's here today that, that steps into this area of generosity and trusts you with their finances, Lord, that every promise in your word would come true in their lives as we learn how to follow you and to submit to you in every part of our lives. And Lord, we pray for the efforts this week as we get geared up for Run for the Light. We set an ambitious goal and we're asking you to help us. Help us this week to connect with the right people who can come alongside and can help us so we can raise 125000 so we can feed kids and dig water wells and do a lot of good in your name across this world. We're just asking for your help and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Man, well, listen, I am really excited for today because we're kicking off a brand new series. So, if you were with us two years ago, we did a series called Out of the Cave. It's a series about mental health, and we really centered it around the story of Elijah in 2 Kings. There's a story where Elijah, he comes off this great victory where, where he's defeated the prophets of Baal. He prayed for rain after three years of drought, and, and the Lord sent rain. He's coming off this high, but as often happens on the, on the uh, other side of a high, often we come to a low. And Elijah came to a low, and he got really depressed, and he actually went into a cave. And that's why we called it Out of the Cave. And he goes in, out of the cave, and he sits down under a broom tree, and he asks the Lord, he says, I just don't want to live anymore. And he's, he's depressed, he's, he's anxious, he's, he's fearful because uh, uh, Jezebel's coming after him, says she's going to kill him. I mean, all this is going on. He's suicidal, all of these things. And so we took that story and we learned how to come out of the cave. We learned about the freedom that Jesus has for every single one of us in every area of our lives. But we really centered around the, the, the topic of mental health. Now, I'll tell you the truth is uh, this series was the most impactful series I think I've ever preached in my life. It helped a ton of people. I also made a lot of people mad during this series. And I'll tell you why is because there's a stigma around this topic. 
topic. And so when I stood up here and I said, yes, Jesus can set you free, but also he might need to use a counselor to help you to find that freedom. He might need you to visit a a doctor and start medicine. He might need you to change your diet. He might need you to start exercising all these different tools. For some reason, that just made some people upset. They were upset because they were kind of the Jesus only flag wavers, you know? And, And I'm like, listen, Jesus can set us free. We preach that every week. He does it. We believe that, absolutely. But we believe in a holistic approach that often God uses a lot of different things to help us to get better in all the different parts of our life, including mental health. And so we had a really great series. A lot of people found freedom. It was incredible. And so uh, earlier this year, I felt like we were supposed to do a follow-up to that. And so today we're kicking off a series called Out of the Cave, Now What? And, And the idea came from this idea is I I put a lot of thought into what happens when someone comes out of the cave that they've been in. Maybe your cave is anxiety or fear or depression, and you come out of the cave. And we talked about how the cave itself is disorienting. If you've ever been uh, in in a literal cave, right, you get in there, it's dark and and echoey, and there's weird sounds, and and you can't see your your hand in front of your face. It's disorienting. You can't tell up from down or right to left because it's so dark, and you're kind of wandering around. And as disorienting as that is, it's also disorienting to step back out into the light. Do you, do you, have you ever done that? You step out, you've been in the dark, now your eyes are adjusting, you can't really see. And so what happens in that moment is the safe place is to run back into the cave, right? It, as, as strange as it sounds, that in that moment you have a decision to make. Do I stay out here and figure out how to stay out of the cave or do I go back? Even though I didn't like it in there, it felt a little bit safe to me. So that's what we're going to talk about in this series, Out of the Cave, Now What? And some of you will remember, we have a special guest today, and some of you will remember my friend Peter. He's, he's been here um, at Harvest before. He helped us with our last series. Uh, and then for our men, there were at men's conference earlier this year. Peter was at our men's conference as well. And so I called Peter. Peter's a professional counselor. He's actually counseled uh, me through several hard times in my own life. And I called Peter. I said, hey, I think we're going to do a part two and I'd love for you to be a part of it. He brings a a perspective because of his role in the mental um, well community. He he knows things that I don't know and I'll never know. He's in it every single day and he loves Jesus. All right, I just want you to know that if you're not sure if a a counselor can love Jesus, Peter pulls off both of those very, very well. And so I've invited Peter to come to help us as we kick off this series. Uh, We're gonna spend several weeks in it and I think you're gonna really find it helpful. This would be a great series, by the way, to invite a friend, all right? We're providing practical answers to problems that people are facing every single day, and I'm super excited about it. So would you help me this morning and welcome my friend Peter Pignon as he comes to help us out with this. Just moving in up here, trying to get all my stuff. Um, I'm so glad to be able to hang out with you today. I believe that God has something that he wants us to look at today. And any day that we have a chance to open up God's word and look at some of the principles, some of the things that he was so gracious to give us, it is a good day. And so let's just pray and give our hearts and minds to God. And we're going to ask him to speak to us today. Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. Lord, we need a word from you. Lord, not just from me, but from you. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to my friends. Help us, God, to do what only you can do. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, my friends, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for the pastoral team and everybody that's here. You guys are amazing. Can you show your love for your pastors Right now, yeah, amazing people. And they're not just amazing because they invited me. That's cool. I, 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 you get bonus points for that. But, but they're amazing because they're willing to talk about this. This is not easy to talk about. I've given my life to talk about mental health. Uh, anywhere they will give me a mic, and if they don't give me a mic, I will still talk about it. I will shout and just trying to save as many people as possible and letting people know that transformation is 
possible. That's what we talked about last time. And uh, if, if this is the first time that we've ever met, like Pastor Jason said, I do professional counseling. I do professional coaching. Um, and if you're interested in uh, taking one of our online courses, we have a free online course called Mental Health 101. Uh, at some point, there, uh, a QR code is going to appear behind me, and you can go to mindsconnected.com backslash harvestabq, uh, and that'll take you to our free resources that are available to you. Uh, so I might be able to be your coach slash professor if you want to take that course. Um, we, we're getting close to a, about 100 people that are walking through that content. Um, and maybe you could even invite somebody else to take it with you. The purpose of mental health content is to strike up the conversations. Hey, you watched lesson one. What did you think? What, what's going on with you? And it creates opportunities for parents to talk with their teens or couples to talk about mental health together. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create opportunities for people to have these conversations. The stats are clear, okay? They're clear. We have been in the place where children and adolescents, about one in six of them each year are experiencing mental illness, Okay, this, is what we're, this is what we're able to, to track right now. And for adults, so over 18, it's one in five. Illness, okay? So we're not talking about issues because one out of six have mental illness, but six out of six have mental issues. Five out of five have mental issues. So if, if you can be kind and loving, you can tell the person next to you, uh, you have mental issues. Can you just tell them? Tell them lovingly. Tell them lovingly. Don't get offended. Don't get offended now. You have mental issues. And, and the crazy thing is, is that, is that a lot of people get stuck on what causes mental issues. A lot of people get stuck on what is it? So the, the, the question that I get the most is, hey, Peter, what causes it? How, where does it come from? And so here's, here's the equation. It's pretty simple. So it's, it's nature, that's your genetics, that's your biology, multiplied by your nurture, that's your environment. That equals mental issues. And that's the same equation for any issue that you have, okay? That's what it is. There's something that's inside of us that predisposes us in a way, but it also gets activated by going through our lives and experiencing hard times. And you can see that in, in Elijah's life. We, didn't, we don't know what, what, was, what his nature was like, but we can see some of that nurture that he was dealing with some real enemies at that time. And so I want you to know that you are not alone. If you are in the one in six, or if you're in the six, uh, the six out of six, or the five out of five, God has something to say to you. God wants to transform your life. And that's not an overstatement. Some of you, I can already feel it. You're like, Peter, you're saying too much. You, you can't tell me that God can transform my life. And yes, I can. I believe that God is wanting to revolutionize the way that you live your life. And I believe that if you open up your heart and mind to God, he will speak to you. And here's the thing. Mental issues are not your fault, okay? They're not your fault because we don't know where the nature is and we don't know where the nurture is. We don't know how to figure all that out. Medicine and scans have helped us learn so much about what it is that's going on, but we still don't know why it happens. But it's not your fault. But here's the thing is that it is 100% your responsibility, okay? So it, it, when I'm driving my big old Toyota Tacoma, just cruising around in Texas, all right, if somebody were to hit me in the back of, of my truck, it would be their fault because I'm a safe driver. Everybody would know. Peter follows the speed limit. If it, was, if it was my wife, I don't know. I don't know about all that. But, but me, I'm following the speed limit. I use my turn signal when I'm getting into my own driveway just to make sure that everybody knows where I'm going. So somebody, if somebody hit me in the back, 
it would be their fault. But you know what? It would still be my responsibility to get my truck fixed. The cops wouldn't come and be like, okay, well, now you have to take Peter to work. Now you have to drop all of his kids off because it's your fault, so you have to help him solve all these problems. No, they might be financially responsible or liable, but it's my responsibility to take my truck to the body shop. It's my responsibility to go get a rental car. It's my responsibility to talk to the insurance company. And so this is what I'm saying. Don't waste your energy on trying to figure out why. Don't waste your energy on trying to figure out whose fault it is. Is it my, is it my dad? Is it my mom? That, figuring out your story is for forgiveness purposes. It's to be, it's to be able to walk in freedom. It's not for blame. Because ultimately, you're the one that is responsible. And I know this firsthand. Some of you may already know this, but I was sexually abused by two male family members when I was around three or four first, and then subsequently after a period of time. And when that happens to somebody that's young, especially when it's the same gender, it can create a lot of questions, a lot of confusion. And one of the things, that is factual, that happened. But in my mind, I believed that it was my fault. I thought I was the abuser. I thought I was the one that had hurt the people that had hurt me. I hated looking in the mirror. I felt so dirty. I loved taking showers because that was the only time I felt just a little bit more clean. It's hard. And, and the thing is, is, is that can happen to some people and they wouldn't have the same issues. I was dealing as a kid with depression and anxiety. I don't remember not feeling anxious or nervous. And, and I was already shy to begin with. I would have probably been shy naturally, but I was like complete turtle. Like you could just see the top of my head. I did not want to engage with people. And so I, become, I became oversensitive and, and, and people would tease me. Kids can be cruel. And, and, and again, the, this was not the worst thing that, that they said in content, but it hit me the deepest, is that I would cry and cry and cry, and they called me a girl. They said, oh, you're such a little girl. And just hearing that in my wounded state, they would say that over and over, you're such a little girl. And no offense, ladies, that would be a good thing if I actually was a girl. But I knew, I knew for some physical reasons, I mean, look at my eyebrows. Look at those caterpillars that I, I knew I was a dude. I, there was some clues. But I, I started to believe that maybe God had messed up. Maybe God had put, and I didn't understand it all. Maybe he had accidentally put a girl's brain inside my body. I was so confused. I was so ashamed. And I didn't, I didn't know who I could talk to about that. I didn't, I didn't want anybody to know. I didn't want my parents to know for sure. They were awesome people. They were loving people. They would have helped me if I would have opened up to them. But again, I thought the abuse was my fault. I thought for sure if I told them what I had done, they would have shipped me off. And they, wouldn't, they would be so ashamed of me, they wouldn't have wanted to be my parents. Then I'm developing all these other issues. I'm like, surely not. I got to keep all this to myself. I have a learning difference. Some call it a disability called dyslexia. So growing up, I didn't know how to read. Um, I'm 10. I'm 11. Still can't read. I'm 12. I can't read. I'm 13. I can't read. I'm cheating as much as I can. So that was started weighing on me. Still going to church. My parents were pastors. Again, great people, wonderful people. They would have helped me. They would have gotten me all kinds of help. But I kept it all to myself. And so I had dyslexia. That was a fact. But what I started to believe was that I was stupid. Because people would say, hey, can't you read? 
Are you stupid? And in my head, I'd say, I, I, I guess I am. Because I can't read. If, if, if intelligence is measured by whether you can read or not, then by that standard, yeah, I, I guess I am stupid. And, and to complicate it, what happens is, is that having mental issues and having mental illness is not a sin in and of itself. But humanly, we want to deal with it in some way. Like, it wasn't a sin that I had dyslexia, but I started to sin by cheating. I started trying to find ways to self-medicate with other things. Because I, I probably needed real mental health medication given to me by a doctor. But instead, I started getting involved in sin. And so mental illness, mental issues, they, 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 they can make us more vulnerable to sin even though the mental illness is not the sin. And that's why a lot of people get confused with that. They feel like it's sinful. But because we, we need help dealing with those issues, and if we try to do it alone, then instead of getting God's provision for us within the body of Christ and within our families and within our community, we can go to these other things that really start to mess with us and wear on us. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through some principles that I see in Scripture in the book of Romans, chapter 8. And I want to talk to you about how you can stay out of the cave. Okay? You guys ready for that? Let's do it. So let's read, let's read Romans, chapter 8. It says, verse, verse 1 in chapter 8 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So good. There's so much there. We could do the whole series on the greatness of what we just read. But I'm just kicking it off. So don't worry. We're going to look at a lot of other verses in this. And by, by, when I say we, I mean the team. So just let me tell you, the prerequisite for us is, is right there. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. So I was living in my sin, right? And people are like, man, well, what kind of sin could you have got in? You were, you were 12, you were 13. Like, what kind of things did you do? Well, I could tell you, but that's not what this is about. Why are you guys trying to get all up in my business, okay? I already confessed about mental issues, and now you want to know about my sin issues? My kids are going to watch this someday. I don't want to give them any ideas. But I had sin issues, Things that I was struggling with. And so it got to the point where I believed these lies so strongly that I felt like I was a burden to my parents and to my family, to my community, to my church. I still went to church. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, but I went to church. And I started to believe that the best thing I could do would be to end my life, and that would be the biggest blessing for them. to not have to deal with me anymore. And I, and I remember just sitting there on the floor in my room trying to figure out how I could do it in a way that my parents couldn't find me. And in the midst of that, what I know now, but then I didn't know, there was so much negativity, there were so many lies swirling in my brain 
And I heard three words, I love you. And when those words came to my mind, I knew they weren't me. And I'd been around church and people had said that God could speak to you. So I was like, well, maybe that's Jesus. So I just out loud, out loud, I said, no, you don't love me. You love all those Christian people. All the people that are doing things right and don't have these issues that didn't abuse somebody like I did. That don't have these sexual issues that I have. That, that are actually intelligent and can do basic things like read. And these other words came up and it was like, no, I love you so much so that I gave my life for you. And if you show me, or if you give me your life, I'll show you what I can do with a completely surrendered life. You want to end your life so you don't value it, but I'm telling you, I value your life. I value it so much that, that I said that I would give my life for yours. I would have died just for you. And whatever, the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, as, as, as I was sitting there, I was like, okay, all right, it made sense. I gave him my life. And I received the joy. I received forgiveness. And this is what I would love to tell you is that I received that and I never had any other issues ever again. That was almost a magical moment. I mean, that felt like Disney World to me. Like I, I felt like the weight of sin that I'd been carrying was off me. My mental health issues and my mental illness was not, but the sin was gone. And the thing that was causing there to be a disconnection between me and Jesus and me and my heavenly father was gone. And I had to get to the point where I learned how to read eventually and God started helping me through my issues. I said, God, I have so many issues. He's like, just write them down and we'll tackle them one by one. So I eventually learned how to read. I was able to finish high school. And um, a lot of cool things happened that we don't have time to get into. But it was, it, was so, it was so fun to see God do that. He said that his strength could be made perfect in my weakness. And I saw it. I saw it. I felt like the presence of God as I was learning how to read with my finger just very slowly. Just feeling God help me with that. Feeling more and more like a man. Feeling more and more that, that my dyslexia was not as much of an issue as it was a gift. I think in terms of pictures. And if you take that course, Mental Health 101, you're going to see a bunch of pictures that I've drawn. Just things that were in my brain that I wanted to give to people. Like, I, I can't explain it really well, but I'm going to show it to you. And so I've loved to draw. I've loved to communicate in, in charts. And I think in terms of pictures. And I like it now. Now, if Jesus could go back in time and say, do you want dyslexia or not? I'd say, give it to me. Give it to me. I like my life the way that it is. I like because it's like a superpower. It, my brain works differently than somebody that doesn't have dyslexia, and so I'm down with it. There's been pain, and doesn't erase that pain, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the way that my brain works. It wasn't the same solution with the other issues, but the Lord helped me walk through those. And what I'm telling you is that it starts with salvation. If you don't know Jesus, then find one of us leaders afterwards and we would love to introduce you to jesus we'd love for you to know jesus because this these principles don't make as much sense if you don't start there but once you start there you're gonna have to remind yourself and this is point one you're gonna have to remind yourself that there's no condemnation for you you have to remind yourself because because your brain it's not like we wipe your memory of what you did before you met Jesus and started this awesome relationship. Those thoughts of what you did back in your sinful life will come back up. And if you're not careful, that will be a weight on you again. And it'll make you want to go back and hide. Condemnation is what we feel from the enemy, and it makes us get further and further from Jesus. 
conviction, or a better word, confrontation, that comes from the Holy Spirit takes us closer and closer to Jesus. And so sometimes we think that God is making us feel bad, but that's the enemy saying, you messed up, get out. You broke the rules, you deserve to die. No, is you messed up, let's talk about it. Come on, let's have a conversation. I want to help you. I know that the sin that you get involved in messes with you. So you have to remind yourself that there's no condemnation. Number two, you have to rejoice in your freedom. Any narrative, any story of people getting free, you know that it's not a one-step process. It starts with one step, but if you've ever struggled or known somebody that has struggled with drugs or alcohol, you know that you walk out your recovery daily. You walk out your healing daily, but you have to rejoice in that. You have to rejoice that the chains, you can still carry those chains, but the locks don't work anymore. The locks don't work anymore. You can pick them back up. You can carry them around. They can cause weight, but you, there's no condemnation because you have freedom. You can go back to the freedom. And I've had to remind myself time and time again of, like, uh, of the decision that I made to have a committed relationship with Jesus. And I said, I, I got messed up again. I've been carrying these chains around, and I throw them down, and I run back to Jesus. Because when sin's in our life, it makes it so much easier to believe lies. But when you can call sin out, it really does help you to be able to, number three, walk in the Spirit. This verse, verse 3, talks about that, that just the law, just the rules were not powerful enough to set us free. But it was, it was the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God. And here where it says... In the NIV translation, that's a New International Version, it says to live, to live according to the Spirit. Literally, the word there is walk. If you look at the Greek, I can't read Greek, but I consulted people who can, and it says it's just literally to walk. And so I, I want to encourage you that it's going to be one step at a time. Walking in the spirit. Sin and the enemy are always going to try to deceive you. But the spirit will never lie to you. It's a spirit of truth. And the best thing you can do for your mental health is to be connected to the Holy Spirit. That's the same spirit that saved my life. I shouldn't be here. That was 23 years ago. I'm on 23 years of bonus life. Because of the Holy Spirit. And I don't understand why he came after me like that and why he spoke to me. My guess is that my parents were worried and they were praying for me. My guess is that my grandparents were praying for me. That the prayers were faithful. And so don't give up on praying for people. Don't give up on your loved ones. Transformation is possible for them. And I believe that I'm living proof of that. And I also believe that I could ask you to raise up your hand and you could come and grab this mic and you could tell a story of what God can do in a surrendered life. Your story, what he's done in you. Number four, you have to recognize your mindset. This is what it says there. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. A mindset is when a specific belief, so at least one, one or more beliefs get activated. So right now, everybody, every moment of your waking life, you're in a particular mindset. How many have ever heard of the victim mindset? There's a winner's mindset too. There's a vulnerable mindset. There's a critical mindset. There's all kinds of mindsets. And so that means that there's one activated belief inside of your brain that is guiding you. And so with, with, with the science, it's pretty simple. We believe 
that your mindset will determine your movement. And if you read scripture, you're going to see that. Peter, when he was walking on water, his mindset is centered on Jesus, and he's taking those steps. He's walking with confidence. And what, what happens? The wind and the waves start showing up. His mindset shifts. He starts to sink. And he just went down, and we've never heard from him since. No, his mindset shifted back. He said, Lord, save me. And Jesus did. He didn't say, no, your mindset shifted. We're done. And you can see the different mindset shifts in Elijah's life if you reread that story. Because he had the winner's mindset. I mean, think about it. When, I mean, it was, it was this epic kind of like, gladiator, patriot, 300, like none of these movies that I've seen, okay, because I'm not allowed to watch rated R movies. My parents said no. But if you, if you would see the trailer on YouTube, it's kind of like that epic of like they kill 450 prophets of Baal. I mean, it's this crazy moment. So he's got this winner's mindset, and then he gets the victim mindset. And you know what? The victim mindset is God-given when you are being victimized. But once he was safe and got under God's protection, you can let that mindset go. If you're winning, you can have a winner's mindset. If you're losing, you can have a loser's mindset. But then, then, you're not, then the game's over. You gotta move on with your life. You can have a growth mindset, a learner's mindset. And so very, very clearly is it saying right here that if you have your mindset on what the flesh desires, that's what gets us stuck in these mindsets for too long. And those of you that are married, you know what it's like to live with somebody that gets stuck in a mindset, right? Those of you that have kids or had kids living in your house, you know when your kids are stuck in a mindset. There's like, oh, I just, the test, I just can't, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to do it. No, you're going to do it. You've, you've, you've been in class, you've been taking notes, you can do this. I don't think I can do it. I'm not sure. It's just stuck in that mindset. And you want to just be able to flip a switch, right? Just like, hey, let me turn on, let me shift that mindset. It takes work. The key is just figuring out what does the Spirit desire? What does the Holy Spirit want for you in every specific moment of your life? What does He want for you? And so I ask you, just do a little thought experiment with me and, and admit to yourself, if zero represents having a mindset on what the flesh desires, and if 10 represents having a mindset on what the spirit desires, where's your mindset right now? How are you living? I'm not going to ask you to stand up and yell it out. But where's your mindset right now? Because we're moving. We're, we're moving across that continuum. Sometimes we're over here oriented because our mindset will determine our movement. We'll either move towards the, the flesh's desires or towards what the spirit desires. It starts here. I was saved in that instant that Jesus began that relationship with me. But transformation has been this process of walking it out and learning new mindsets, learning what the Spirit desires, learning what the Spirit had for me. I remember not wanting to fully embrace the mental health field. I was like, you know, I'm going to be a pastor, but I'm going to have a master's degree in clinical psychology and counseling. But I don't want to be, I don't want to be known as the mental health guy because that comes with baggage. I don't want to be the mental health guy. Now I'm like, let me be the mental health guy. Because I understand, I understand that, that lives can be saved. Lives can, can be saved when we talk about this, when we start to think about what does the spirit desire? Where's your mindset? And that's what it says here. Our, our final point is to move towards life and peace. Verse 6 says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. 
I don't know if you guys have ever had issues with the governor before, but, but thinking, of, thinking about, just imagine that, that, that you had a governor in your area that you didn't agree with everything. A governor makes decisions that you have to deal with. We understand this in Texas. We, I don't know if you, you probably don't have it over here, but, but think about it. Are you letting the flesh be the governor or are you letting the spirit be the governor? Hello, governor. You didn't think a Mexican could make that accent. It's the best I can do. I'm working on it. I've never been to the other side of the pond, though. But you have, you, you can choose who are you going to let be your governor. Is it the spirit? That's how you stay out of the cave. Because the spirit will lead you out. He led Elijah out by whispers, by whispers, just whispering to him. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Eat something. Take a nap. He's saying something to you. Wherever you are on that continuum between living as the flesh desires and 10, what the spirit desires, what would one point in that direction look like for you? Let's just say you're a five. What would, what would a six look like? How would, how would your work day look if you lived your work day for what the spirit desires? What if when you came home from work, you were more focused on what the spirit desires? What if after you're home and you wake up from your Sunday nap later on, you were thinking about what does the spirit desire? Because your mindset will determine your movement. You start to gravitate to what the spirit desires for you. And the spirit desires for you to deal with your issues. We don't like that. So sometimes the avoidance takes us towards the flesh. Just moving in that other direction. What would three points look like for you? What would a life of peace look like for you? Not living in anxiety. And I'm not saying you're not going to feel things emotionally. I'm saying it's your mindset where you are going to set your mind. Okay? You can get triggered all day long. I still get triggered. But I get triggered and then I set my mind. I'm setting it. Right? The power can go out of my house and then my thermostat resets. And it defaults to something, okay? I have to go over there and reset my thermostat. You're going to get triggered. Things are going to happen. You're going to start thinking about what the flesh desires, but you can reset your mindset and start to move towards what the spirit desires. Worship team, you can come hang out with me up here, and we're going to sing a song, my friends, because I believe that God wants to help you reset your mindset. He wants to keep you out of the cave. Sometimes thinking about the glory days are the days that involve sin and pain. And yes, maybe it was easier in a way, but it was so unhealthy. To come out of the cave, you have to reconnect with the Holy Spirit. You have to reconnect with God. And you got, you, if you're comfortable and able, you can go ahead and stand up because I want to pray for you. I believe that if we could open up our spiritual eyes, so many of you are oriented to what the Spirit desires. You're shifting. You're moving towards what God has for you. No matter what trauma, what depression, what anxiety is there, you're walking your journey. Because the main thing that the Lord has promised you is that you don't have to do it alone. Some of you need to invite somebody on that journey. The first person is Jesus, but the second person will probably be somebody in this room. It might look like a text message. It might be a phone call. Some of you, it might be an email, a little old school. Somebody might send a fax, a letter, 
but we can't make it on our own. We can't do this alone. We weren't, we weren't designed to walk towards mental health and transformation by ourselves. We need each other. We need each other. This is a rhetorical question for you to answer in your mind. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to allow the Lord to tell you his desires, to be open with you so that you start to move in that direction? If you are, I want you to communicate that to the Lord in your own words. You have this picture in your mind of what a life of peace could be. What a life of peace could be. Drastically, dramatically different. And some of you have already made that turn. And I'm just encouraging you on that journey. And some of you need to make that decision and draw the line in the sand. But you know who you are. And you can start to ask the Lord to move inside of your life. Let's pray. Jesus. Thank you so much for my friends. Thank you for what they're doing right now, standing up, desiring for you to move in their lives. Lord, wherever they are on the continuum, from having their mindset on what the flesh desires to having their mindset on what the spirit desires, I pray that you would speak to them, that you would speak words of care and confrontation, but not, not in a fighting way, but in a loving way, calling them to you, calling them closer on the journey towards what you desire for them. Lord, you help us shift our mindsets. You break chains. Lord, there's a real enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's a way that leads to death, Lord. But we speak life this morning. We wage war against the enemy, against these mindsets that can lead to harm. Holy Spirit, thank you that we don't need to just come here to service to hear from you. But you want to interact with us moment by moment. Reminding us of what you have for us and what you're going to do in us. Bring transformation today. Bring freedom, bring healing. You're the only one that can give us life and give us peace. And we thank you so much for that. In your name, Jesus, we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.